You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Monday, October the 3rd. Coming to you from New York today. Wet and wintry scene as I look over West Broadway. Much as it was yesterday afternoon at Paris Longchamp in the Bois de Boulogne. But piercing the autumnal gloom was a glorious performance from Alpinista. Stretching her winning streak. Notching up her sixth Group 1 performance. A triumph for the breeding enterprise and operation care and diligence of Kirsten Rousing. A wonderful way to crown the career, the storied career, of one of the most popular figures in the sport, Sir Mark Prescott, and jockey Luke Morris, to whom we spoke on Friday and will again very shortly, showing that the hotter the battle became, the cooler his veins would run. We'll also be speaking to Alpinista's groom, Annabel Willis, who left us with some indelible images after the race. As I welcome back to the podcast, Lydia Hislop, and what a day to welcome you back, Lydia. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to Paris to watch it live. So I was watching it from my sofa, but it's still the result still had me in tears on my feet and shouting <laughs> into the into the final straight. But, it, you know, you were pretty confident from some way out that she was in the right place. She was going really well. Uh, Luke Morris waited, as um, Sir Mark Prescott said afterwards in, a, in a, a post-race interview, he was thinking, wait, wait. And I'm sure the written instructions were carried out to the letter. Um, and that's exactly what, what Luke Morris did. And it was, uh, although um, Verdani and Torquato Tasso came uh, staying on late and cutting down her advantage, she won the race much further out than that. And it was a simply superb result that had me in tears. And I'm sure it had lots of people feeling exactly the same way. Let's try and drill down into why this result was so well received. Well, it's 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 because of uh, there's many many facets to it. It's because of Samark, who's 74 years of age. He took over in 1970 at Heath House, which obviously is a hugely historic place to train in Newmarket. It's been training racecourses. Racecourses have been trained there since the 17th century. He was the youngest trainer in Britain at the time. He's trained for 53 seasons. He is known as somebody who can tell an abs- absolutely captivating story. Uh, he, he's got a magnetic individual personality somebody who speaks of what British racing has been over over the decades and this really in Alpinista and I think he would recognize that you know is is his in in many ways his last hurrah although he said that his long-suffering assistant trainer William Butler who's been with him for another 20 years has probably greeted this success with mixed emotions poor William he said because it might keep me tottering on a bit longer in all seriousness Alpinista with her six week ones here is a is a final great hurrah for what has been a, a completely individual and remarkable training career and it it ensures that whenever he decides that he would like to call it a day and I'm not retiring him um that he will go out with a bang and not a whimper well Alpinista's rider Luke Morris rightly fated for his coolness under pressure uh, was trying to take it all in when I caught up with him earlier today um, it probably hasn't really sunk in, to be honest. Um, before the race, I felt it was the biggest ride of my career and, um, you know, it was going to be a, a day I wanted to enjoy and 
and, and not get too flustered by really. I wanted to treat it like it was a naught to sixty round Kempton or Wolverhampton and uh you know, I couldn't believe how you know, how smoothly the race went and things went nicely to plan, which in a twenty run arc arc triumph you certainly don't expect that. You know, we set out of a plan to be nice and handy and and try to keep it as uncomplicated as we could and you know, once we swung into the full straight, um I spoke to Johnny Murta the evening before and he said to me, Whatever you do, kind of sit still and don't get too excited and uh you know i was just trying to keep my powder dry for as long as i could how much better do you think she was yesterday to before i mean how much of a, a jump up was it um i, I thought it she, she's improved a little bit again which i felt going through the race beforehand in the morning i thought she needed a career best to win and i felt the forms the forms worked out strong with adini and torquay Tasso and third and it was a career best effort and um like i say i'm just you know, extremely lucky and extremely privileged to be riding the filly of her quality. So, famously, Sir Mark Prescott gives written instructions to every rider uh, before every race. What were yours yesterday? Um, my obviously re- riding for Sir Mark for eleven years now. We've uh, we've never done the written instructions, but we uh, we we spoke at about seven a.m. yesterday morning, and um, I, I told him the way I felt the race would go. He he kind of saw the race exactly the same and he'd actually spoke to Alan Roy Dupre for a for a bit of kind of advice the night before and uh we kind of whisk a bit of that into the mix and um the, the plan was was executed perfectly really and you know in a 20 run field you just don't fit you just don't expect things to go that smoothly but you know she's such an uncomplicated filly with so much class it it made my job a lot easier I like the fact that you whisked a bit of Alain de Wire Dupre into the mix. I'm I'm trying to work out what bit you whisked in. Um, he 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 was uh, one one of his uh, bits of advice were, you know, he he said a lot of a lot of um, you know kind of jockeys coming to France, you know, with with very little experience riding around Longchamp, can often get excited once they meet the false straight and kick on too soon. So. Um, you know, I walked the track with William Butler yes, yesterday before racing and I told him where I wanted to be and uh, exactly how I wanted to ride her and uh, like I say I didn't expect to be sitting on her to the furlong pole but um, like I say she, she, she's a very special filly and I, I just wanted to be go out there and you know leave nothing behind and you know it's, it's nice when it works out that way. How overwhelming was the, the reaction the reception for you for her and for Samark? Yeah, um, it's something you can't really put it into words. And in I would, I'd be someone that wouldn't really get too high, and I certainly wouldn't get too low. So, um, but uh, yesterday it was a, you know, it was a feeling you'd love to bottle up, and uh, you know, I was, I, I was struggling to keep the tears away, to be honest. Which, uh, you know, when I seen one of the interviews with Smark, uh, I seen he, I thought he looked very similar, which I, I'd, I'd never expect that from the boss. Myself, Smark, Mr. Housing, and William and Richard Frisby all all flew flew back together last night and um it was just a you know it's just a great moment and it was great to you know to uh to, to spend that time with them and uh and you really kind of enjoy the occasion which um you know it's it's the type of occasion that it might only ever happen once in your career so um you know to for it to happen was just you know i'm extremely lucky you're back to reality yeah i'm i'm, I'm actually in the middle of Knocking out a false stable with my son screaming at me outside, so it's turning uh, back to reality. <laughs> well, no better man, Luke. Thanks so much. Well done again. Brilliant. Thank you, Nick.
The jockey Luke Morris, as he said, rarely gets too high, rarely gets too low, but even he fairly overcome by what was achieved yesterday. No doubting the emotions of Annabelle Willis, who has looked after Alpinista ever since she walked into Sir Mark Prescott's famous Heath House stables. She is on her way back now as I speak to you from Longchamp with Alpinista and she joins me. Um, Annabelle, wonderful images of, of incredible celebrations, which we'll come to in a moment. First of all, I must ask you how, how Alpinista is this morning. Honestly, brilliant. And not many horses you'd see after after such a hard race. Completely eat every every nut I've given her of her dinner and all her breakfast and bounce out the box at happy as anything. She's absolutely fans of hand and, and she's happy on her way back to headquarters with her, her faithful travelling companion who is vital in, in her successes, I think, over the years. Um, the, the faithful travelling companion is the was he rated forty seven or something? Yeah, something like that. He, um, yeah, he couldn't believe he was there. That's what Sir Mark said. He, he couldn't believe he was there, and every time um, he had to, start, he had to be stabled at the top by the parade ring, so he was stabled away from her. But um, when she come back into the winners' enclosure, we could hear him whinnying for her, so he <laughs> he recognised her straight away. So and he's now had so many pats and pictures taken with him in all his life. Well, Annabelle, if if she heard him whinnying, there's no doubt as she crossed the line, she could hear you shouting her on and, and cheering her on. Um, World horse racing have captured some amazing celebrations from those connected with horse over the years. I don't think I've ever seen anyone quite so happy when any horse has won any race, just with a a night to let the dust settle. Can you can you try and and put into words just just why this was such a special moment for you? It was unbelievable. It really is what, what dreams are made of. It's why we all get up early in the morning and do the things we do and love this sport so much. And horses like her, they don't come around very often. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful and privileged to be, be part of her story. Uh, I'd love to know when you when you first got involved with her and, and when you first started to ride her, what it was about her that gave you such a connection because you, you've clearly got one that goes back way before her winning group one races um she just had a natural ability and, and really really enjoyed being a racehorse she she takes everything in her stride and you know she she wants to go to work she'll she'll drag me onto the walker and she she bounces down the ramp into our indoor ride every morning she, she loves doing it and I think when, when you've got such a willing partner it makes every day such a joy and I, I suppose the other thing perhaps we don't appreciate because we're not with horses every day is the amount of time you actually spend with her one to one if you added up the hours you spent with her over the last four years it, it must amount to a huge amount of time huge amount of time a huge amount of time um, obviously in with her every morning I'm normally out with her first lot and then back in at three, doing her uh, with my other horses as well. I look after, but doing her, and she's always the first one. Smart looks at every evening because she's the top box. So he always looks at her first, and he looks at every single horse every night at five o'clock without fail, even on Sunday. Tell me what it's been like, not not just being with her, but but being with with Smart Prescott and and William Butler during that during these last few years. It's been, it's just been sort of building momentum over over the last couple of years, and um, it's been very, very exciting. You know, um, 
smart definitely does and keeps you grounded you know and 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 keeps you on the straight and narrow but he he very much allows me to enjoy enjoy these days and um it's just it's just been brilliant and and to, have, to look after and ride such a such a brilliant horse and such a a big horse in his his career after having so many great horses over the years is it's really is an honor now you were you were completely overwhelmed by that success yesterday um did you recover quite quickly i don't think it sunk in i i i was oh just elated and it, it was it was very very emotional I, I watched the race with uh molly nash steer uh luke morris's partner and my and she's also my best friend so it was brilliant to watch that together and have that moment together it was just an, an unbelievable feeling it really was magical and uh, for you now do you do, can you even countenance what life's going to be like what work's going to be like when she goes off to do her her next job i don't <laughs> I don't like to think about it. I, 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 I know she won't be far away, and um, and Miss Rousing's already said I, I when she does um, go to stud, I can go see her whenever I want. But um, it won't, it won't be, it won't be the same. Life for me won't, won't quite be the same. I'll never ever be able to replace her. She holds a very, very special place in my heart, and I'll, I'll cherish these memories forever. But you no, know, life, life won't be the same. But business carries on as usual. Annabelle, thanks for talking to me. Thank you very much, Nick. Alpinist's groom, Annabelle Willis. Wonderful to hear that the mare is in great shape and lovely to hear Annabelle's reflections, not only of um, what this mare has meant to her over many years, but also the experience of working at Heath House under under Sir Mark Prescott. It, It struck me yesterday particularly, and it was a feeling that struck me after the Yorkshire Oaks a little bit, that he was he was unusually stuck for words for a man who is so ready with a an hilarious story at every turn and uh, has a a phrase or a quip for every moment that this this particular um crowning moment of his career had had almost completely humbled him even though this morning he's he said to the son that he felt like a rock star all afternoon he would know that that this is the last great horse that he is likely to be uh, directly uh, primarily uh, associated with. He was saying uh, just prior to um, Alpinista's victory in the Yorkshire Oaks, we were chatting in, in the paddock at, at York and he was just observing that for the first time his yearling numbers are down. So I think he is he is recognising, because I mean he's a great realist, he's very um, open-eyed about uh, life uh, and looks at, looks at it squarely um, and he he'll he'll be acknowledging where where he is in his career, and he he was he did seem to be caught out by the emotion of it, particularly in the immediate aftermath of the arc. Uh, Rishi Basad interviewed him for ITV Racing, and you could see that very unusually uh, he was he was near to tears. Uh, he was he was he was fighting them back and was unable to to speak in his usual flowing flowing self and the the magnitude of the success the meaning for him of the success and also I think the warmth that he would have felt from uh, his peers uh, from other people in the industry and from the crowd as I understand it as I said I wasn't there at, at Longchamp but I read that uh, the approval for this success uh, could be heard very vocally and for some time uh, as Alpinista came back into the winner's enclosure. This was also a triumph for owner breeder at Kirsten Rousing, who, rather like the trainer she's chosen, Lydia, has done things her own way. I think their uh, 
uh, very well suited to each other. I mean, you know, as he may, so Mark might have been stuck for words initially, but obviously the words started flowing later on, and I was particularly taken um, with with a quote that appears in in a number of papers about when um, Sir Mark and uh, Kirsten Rousin were taking Alborada uh, to the 1999 Japan Cup, and very unusually, because to, to prize um, Sir Mark away from Newmarket is a, is quite a significant thing. On Sunday, it was his first time in Longchamp for 21 years. But he'd gone out to Japan uh, with Alborada and uh, he had to phone uh, Ms. Rousing uh, after the declarations to deliver the news that she'd, the horse had had a setback and would be missing the race. And uh, Kirsten Rousing said, this is suboptimal news. <laughs> <laughs> that was I can just hear I it did, as well. I know, me too. But also, uh, how pleased uh, Sir Mark would have been about that reaction. It just stri stri strikes me that the two of them are, are, are very well suited. And so it wasn't surprising to have, uh, with a sort of twinkle in his eye, uh, reading that Sir Mark um, saying that uh, it won't have escaped Ms. Rousing's eagle-eyed notice, brackets, nor, nor his own, that there is a £3 million bonus if uh, Alpinista can go on to win the Japan Cup, although the Breeders' Cup was also mentioned and clearly given that she is a mayor and of this value who's now won six group ones and um at, had to go through um testing ground to win at at, uh, at Longchamp she that that could be the end of her career I hope it isn't I'd, I'd love to be able to see her race in America um or Japan um but that is a consideration that they will have to make um after celebrating this fantastic famous uh really incredibly well received um success Right, Lydia, let's talk about Christoph Sumior, second in the arc on Verdani, but clearly that's not the main talking point. saint Cloud Friday, just after the last edition of this podcast, he was banned for two months by the stewards of France Gallo for what they described as dangerous and intentional riding, which resulted in Ross Ryan somehow escaping serious injury. Um, Sumior shoving, barging exaggeratedly with his, his elbow out, causing Ryan to fall. Now, reaction to this has been mixed, but two themes have emerged, two popular themes have emerged. One, which was given ballast by the comments of France Gallo Chief Executive Olivier Deloire, why wasn't Sumion banned straight away? Why didn't the ban just come into force? Why did it have to go through the normal channels? And second, whether two months was, was long enough, particularly at this time of the year. What did you make of both of those contentions? Uh, let's deal with that one first. Uh, it's against the, the natural justice to, to for it to begin straight away. There has to be a, a period of a, a, an ability for somebody who has received a penalty to be able to consider whether they wish to appeal against that penalty. Um, also, though, that, that rule is put into place to ensure that those people who have, have uh, in good faith booked the rider um, are not going to suddenly be scrabbling around when uh, for these very important races when um, all the, the people that they might normally turn to will already have been booked up on on different rides as well. I know that in the case of, of Malavad, David Redvers was saying that he would rather not uh, have had Christoph Sumer riding for him, but that would probably probably uh, be an exception. Certainly, be an exception in in normal circumstances. So I, I I don't think you know the idea that 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 it could have been uh, invoked immediately. I think is 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 fanciful and against the rules of, of, of natural justice. The only way in which this could have happened was if the rider himself or herself had decided to stand down. Were you surprised that France Gallo Chief Executive Olivier Delois appeared to then undermine the process of France Gallo's own system of justice by suggesting that 
clearly they needed to look at this so they'd be able to impose immediate bans if necessary in future. Yes, I was. Yeah, I was. I, it, that, it, it, make, it makes me uncomfortable and legally I don't think that that uh, would be necessarily helpful. This is one where I think everyone needs, to, needs to, to calm down and take a breath. I mean, there were some sort of uh, implications that Christophe Soumian is somehow um, has left, is in some way not, not functioning um, it, well in terms of his, his mental health. Um, and I just, I, I don't see that. I, I think it was a a uh, manoeuvre that he tried to make that went very, very badly wrong. I mean, you could describe it realistically, I think. I mean, just my perspective as rash, stupid, impetuous, impulsive, um, irresponsible, dangerous, mm -hmm. um, with intent. But at no point did I do I believe that he has made a manoeuvre where he's thought to himself, I'm going to push this guy off his horse, which yeah. seems to be the received wisdom. And, I, and I, 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 I'm pretty happy not to subscribe to that idea. I, I totally agree with, with that analysis. And um, it's Christoph Simeon is an internationally renowned uh, sports person. And internationally renowned sports people will often make split-second second decisions that are right on the edge. And necessarily, sometimes they might be slightly over the edge. And this was a, a, an occasion in which it was more than slightly over the edge. It was a, a it was a manoeuvre that went badly wrong. It was an on the edge manoeuvre that that was a total miscalculation. You've um, watched Ruby Walsh's analysis of the incident, um, and he was explaining that it, it that it's it, it's not atypical of a manoeuvre that Christophe Soumillon might make within the rules. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's a generous interpretation of it, but I certainly think at least at least Ruby Walsh has made an attempt to to try and contextualise it and to look at Christophe Soumillon's general way of doing things. Now, clearly, this was done more in anger than in the, than in the proper spirit of competition. That's why he's got a two-month ban for this one. Which um, is a significant ban, I think, a two-month ban. It, it, it is a significant ban in terms of what he had planned to do this winter. You know, he's got, he would have had... A, he's got lots of significant and extremely valuable race targets around the world he was due to go to japan this is going to hit him hard um i, I saw lots of different comparisons between different jurisdictions uh, and, and bans um and i don't think they're help helpful um i mean even within a, a particular jurisdiction say within within britain you can look at bans for different things and question whether um, the values that the sport says that it upholds are consistent with the lengths of penalty that it then um, hands out. And, and I think that is a, a valid thing to say. But to start comparing a, a French ban with a British ban or an Irish ban, it just well, doesn't, it the, the doesn't only, really make any sense. The only two comparisons that anyone could come up with was Fallon pulling Stuart Webster off his horse a gazillion years ago, which got him six months. And that was after the line in a race at Beverly, as I say, over 30 years ago in England. And the other one was the incident that happened the other day where a guy stood up, leaned over, and with both hands pushed another jockey off a horse in Ecuador yes. uh, where he got a life ban. It was absolutely nothing. The two incidents were nothing alike in any no. respect. No, and I've seen a comparison as well with um, what uh, Robbie Dunn uh, received for threatening to uh, to push a, a, a fellow jockey, Brownie Frost, off the take to put, put her through, through a wing. And obviously that was not... What, what uh, Robbie Dunn uh, got his suspension for? I mean, it's these these are 
individual instances instances i think it's very hard to make comparisons um i don't know the the, the french rule book uh, as intimately uh, as well yeah. as i would know the british rule book and you know the, when rule when bans like this are ha- when penalties like this are handed out there are um parameters that are set down within which those people handing out the ban must act you can't but, I, but Lydia, I i think they've gone outside the parameters from my reading of it go on uh, and and the chief executive couldn't be sure when he was interviewed. It, it seemed to me, but I dangerous riding. So he's been he's been banned for what, what was roughly translated as danger, danger, and dangerous and intentional maneuver. Um, I mean, I take the word intentional to mean that he intended to make that maneuver rather than he intended to push Ross Ryan off his horse, so he fell. Um, but either which way, dangerous riding has a has a um, an upper limit of twenty days in France. Now he's been banned for three times that length. So clearly, they. I my read is that they've taken extra, extraordinary action anyway. So th- there's a bit of uncertainty about that. I mean, what would have happened if this had been in Britain? Do you think would this have been an automatic referral? Would they have handed a ban on the spot? What would have happened? I think they'd have. I think they would have referred. So they'd looked at the um, interference. They'd have asked um, whether the nature of the incident was such as to place in je- in serious jeopardy the safety of any horse or rider. I think they'd have to have come to the conclusion. Yes. So then, unusually, they'd be looking at you know, was it dangerous riding? Um, yes, I'm happy one, with that. Yeah. One of the definitions of that would be purposely interfering with another horse or rider, yeah. or riding in a way that is far below that of a competent, careful rider, where it should be obvious to such a competent, careful rider that riding in that way was likely to endanger the safety of horse or rider. And so, if you're if you're looking at that, the parameters. I mean, whereas I know that the the French interference rules. I mean, France um, has came on board some years ago. It might even be five years ago with the um, interference rules that Britain and Ireland and most of the world now um, abide by, bar for North America, the North American um, continent. What I don't know is what the is are whether is whether um, France's penalties reflect uh, Britain's penalties. That's the area that I, I'm not, I'm not so sure about. So dangerous riding in uh, Britain would uh, be uh, if it was in, intentionally makes contact with another horse or uh, intentionally interferes or causes serious interference, serious interference as a result of steering a course or carrying out a manoeuvre that uh, when, it, when it should have been obvious that that interference would result. It's 14 to 28 days or refer. If a rider intentionally pushes another horse and or rider off course, um, including but not limited to through or round the wing of an obstacle or through or outside the running rail, it's 28 days or refer. I suspect that this would have come under the refer uh, principle. Um, what do you think for what I was yes. saying? I, I, it's, uh, yes, I, because it's right at the uh, right at the upper end, right at the upper mm-hmm. limit. It's a very serious offence. Then referred. I, I rather mischievously suggested the other day that um, if it was referred, there would then be time for for them to take the the temperature on Twitter of temperature of outrage to then dis- to then to then decide what sort of punishment. Well, to well I mean, don't laugh. I mean, it's not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even joking. That's, that's how we've. That's how we've been ruling in Britain for the last god knows how many years. I mean, that's, that's exactly what our government does. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, pre pre social media, I would have thought that the ban would have been about the same. Might have got it like a couple of months, maybe even a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 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 amount of the the and then that's why I quite like the France Gallo way of doing it. There you are. There's your two month ban. Well, is it? I mean, but but you know, did, did the uh, rapidity of the reaction was it was it in a, in a 
in a way seeking to preempt this I, I don't know I mean I, I, I the inner the inner work, workings of it I mean we in terms of the rules you you, you can interpret it but in terms of of why Franz Gallo uh, reacted in the way they it did particularly in the in the comment immediately afterwards um that is going to need some explaining I think yeah um I, I, I my point I made was I, I simply was in didn't feel obliged to call for his sacking or 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 his license to be removed forever or or that he should be taken to immediately to the gallows or at the <laughs> very least the stocks for some sort of medieval and ritual punishment or humiliation yeah I uh, this this sort of um this way of uh, of the world these days of the calling for the the sacking of X or Y I find you know very tiresome and very wearing um he did he did apologize and he did apologize quite extensively um that shouldn't that that's that that shouldn't in any way uh mitigate from the the penalty that he received and I, and as as i understand it 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 didn't but it it should be recognized that he has uh come out and accepted that he has uh made a serious mistake and which of us hasn't done that you know there was a bit of me inside that final furlong that did did think, go on, Christoph, just get up by a narrow margin on Verdani in the arc so I can use the headline, Sumion knows his arc from his elbow. But, <laughs> um, I, sadly, it wasn't to be. And it was a much more heartwarming tale. Did you enjoy that? <laughs> I did very much enjoy it. I want to know how long you've been working on it. It's, well, I've been on my own for like 48 hours. <laughs> And it shows. So, yeah. <laughs> right, Lydia, let's talk about some of the other highlights from Paris Longchamp over the weekend. Lots of success for, for British trainers, but um, the French, I think, can have some reason to be cheerful, um, particularly events that happened early on, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I think it will, it will be... Um encouraging that both the Group 1 two-year-old races, the Jean-Luc Lagardère and the Marcel Boussac on um, Arc Day, uh, went to uh, French-trained horses. I think that is uh, significant. Christopher Head uh, carrying on the uh, the Head legacy. Uh, that will be. I think that will be encouraging, and it it, it is good to see because it, it suggests that 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 generation, the two-year-old generation, um, is is relatively strong. Fourth member of his family, fourth generation of the Head family to win a race on Arc Day. Absolutely superb. Uh, you know, again, uh, another another piece of history. The, the the resonance of Arc Day is 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 so wide and in so many different directions. It takes always takes more than just a day to uh, digest what has happened over that weekend. A Saturday at Longchamp, the Prix Wailleux uh, was disappointment for very elegant. Who again, I'm afraid, didn't really pass muster under European conditions, uh, and they'll just have to take a, a rain check now. No pun intended as to whether she comes to ask it for the fillies and mares. Um, C. La Rosa was an impressive winner of that race, the Wailleux. There was uh, all sorts of layers of significance here. William Haggis, former assistant to Sir Mark Prescott, of course. Eyes on the Trainers' Championship in Britain this time round. Colours of Sea of Class, his narrow arc runner-up. Colours, of course, of See the Stars, the brilliant arc winner of 2009. Um, William, none of this will have been lost on you, I'm sure. How satisfying was that on Saturday? Well, it, well, it, it was fantastic, but even better that Christopher Choi, who hasn't been over for a long time, uh, was there to see it. He came for the weekend because we had one in the opera, and um, and he was there to witness it. So that was fantastic. Christopher 
was Mrs. Choi's son and uh, was obviously around to see the uh, see the stars when he was doing all his winning. He was the chap that yeah uh, that used to faint yeah yeah that's that's yes he became a bit of a he became a bit of a celeb didn't he in two thousand and nine Christopher Choi yeah yeah and has has Cela Rosa done her job now or is there a bit more to come? Well, she's very much done her job, but uh, I hope that we've still got a little bit of little bit left with her. Um, she's in the Phillies and Mares at Ascot, and she may well go there. Uh, not being discussed yet. She's also in a in a Group One race in Japan, a Phillies race in Japan. Um, so she could go there. So we, we'll see. But she's just done nothing but improve the whole year. Um- you spent time as an assistant to Sir Mark Prescott. You're probably his most celebrated assistant um, in terms of some of the stories he he tells. Um, how much pleasure did you get out of yesterday's result? Enormous. I think everyone did. Um, it is a universally popular win um, for so many reasons. It was great, and it, I think it's wonderful that you know he gets such a special horse. Uh, sort of in the twilight of his career and um, and she was phenomenal I thought the jockey was exceptional because he waited up the straight when it must have been tempting to kick they probably got beaten if he kicked mm. and she found enough and, and it was fantastic fantastic for Kirsten fantastic for Sir Mark and William Butler I saw him on the heath his long term assistant this morning and I said, uh, well done. He said, uh, trying to get some mark out of Longchamp was like shepherding a rock star uh, out of a pop concert. <laughs> he kissed everyone, shook hands with everyone, so it's marvellous. Fantastic. Uh, a result that's really resonated in, in, in Newmarket. And, and I'd imagine that, that glow will be felt all through, all through sales weeks. I know you're, you're inspecting yearlings as we speak at, at, at Tats Book One. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Mr. Mark's here. I've seen him already, and everyone wants a piece of him. And uh, let, let him enjoy every minute of it. Um, I can't let you go without asking about how preparations are going for for Champions Day and how how Baid's getting on. Yeah, I read in the paper that all was well. Uh, Richard Hill's <laughs> apparently very happy with him, so uh, <laughs> that's good enough for me. Yeah, everything's. Uh, we're hoping that Alpha Nistra will last another two weeks, so that uh, we don't have to. Uh, discusses on a daily basis but I think he's fine as far as I'm concerned well I mean there isn't an awful lot to discuss now is there apart from the fact you've just got to get him there in one piece that's the idea yeah we'll do our best alright William uh, thanks very much we will speak soon pleasure Nick thanks cheers William Haggis there with reflections not only on Steve Rose's performance but also um, Sir Mark Prescott and the significance of, of that arc triumph and a reminder, salutary reminder with Baid to come in the Champion Stakes. There's still a fair bit of this season and an international season to come. And we were reminded of that with the fact that the Platinum Queen, who won yesterday's Prix de l'Abbé de Longchamp, um, is bound now for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, which remarkably is looking like one of the races of the meeting. But let's zone in on what she achieved yesterday. And great to see such rampant celebrations after the race, Lydia. They were fantastic, weren't they? It's absolutely fantastic to see uh, a syndicate, the middle part syndicate, winning uh, such a significant Group 1 success, particularly after a, uh, a two-year-old filly has been so um, 
racketeeringly campaigned really running in the Nunthorpe finishing a fantastic second in that then just touched off in the Flying Childers and then tra- taking on the older horses again in the Abbey she got the help of what is absolutely necessary which is a relatively low draw albeit she only actually got onto the rail uh, late on and she became the first two-year-old since Siggy in 1978 to win the Abbey that was uh, a superb performance for um, Holly Doyle, uh, Richard Fahey and particularly for the Midland Park um, syn- syndicate. And Frankie de Torre got his Group 1, having finished an excellent third on Torquato Tasso in the arc from a wide draw. I thought he was very brave, the, the German defending champion. De Torre mm. steered another one of his favourites, Kinross, to victory in the Prix de la Forêt. I'm not sure how much of a race it was for a Group 1, Lydia, but he absolutely bolted up. I think it's it's really it was really good to see Kinross getting that Group One success. He's got three um, Group Two wins, you know, twice in the Lennox and also in, in the City of York. Finally, getting the Group One in in, in the foray, a, a bit like Alpanista, you could see him moving through the race uh, from quite a long way out as the horse that was you know, that was going best and likely to win. Uh, Frank Tour will be particularly pleased. He's very good friends with the owner Mark Chan and for Rafe Beckett, who's Westover acquitted himself perfectly respectably um, in the in the arc in, in difficult conditions uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a significant victory for him as well and it, it, this horse might go on to the British Champions sprint. We also mentioned, ought to mention that um, Luxembourg who was deposed as favourite near the off for the arc by Alpinista the winner, um, he sustained an injury in the race didn't he? He pulled the muscles uh, on his hip and is out for the season. Yes, uh, Aidan O'Brien was very quick on that and that uh, news came out within about 45 minutes of the finish of the race Kiprios needs a good lie down now, doesn't he? After that that demolition job in the Prix de Cadran, would he, how well do you think he'd have run in the arc? Uh, I don't know. Uh, probably, probably respectably is 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 what is what I feel uh, that that he would have done. I mean that he hung r- remarkably left in the straight, came over, uh, and it's a very very wide straight, almost to the to the stand side rail by the line. But he'd won by twenty lengths. Um, and it was it was uh, two and a half miles and, and tough conditions. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's clearly stamped his authority over the, the staying division. Well, Saturday, there was Group 1 action in the UK as well. The, the Bahrain Sun Chariot Stakes was the feature race at Newmarket. Fontaine was the winner, shock winner as well, ridden by Neil Callan for his old boss, Kevin Ryan. I say old boss, Neil. Um, it seems as though you're rekindling the flame a little bit. Yeah, like, I mean... Uh... Kevin and I, as everyone knows, we go back a long way and I was stable jockey to him for like six years. So um, we had some great, great success together. And then obviously I made the move away to Hong Kong and come back and, you know, you kind of need someone like Kevin to kind of just pick you up and give you something that's that's out of the top drawer. And uh, yeah, you know, he gave me a, he's given me a few winners already this season, which is, which is very good of him. And just to help me get going. Um, but, you know, you always need something from the top drawer to kind of get you that bit more noticed. And, you know, it was fantastic. Get the group one win for him. And, uh, you know, hopefully that, you know, can kind of gel into something else. But, you know, you know, I do understand that, you know, being away for so long that he, he'd obviously moved on and had uh, Kevin Stott and Tom Eves riding for him for those years. And, I suppose he can't just drop those guys. They've been in there riding walk every day of the week and uh, they walk hard for him up north a lot as well. So I don't mind sharing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a Group 1 victory for him, so you never know what might happen now. It's indicative of, of the endeavour that you've put in over the course of the season, really, what you've just been what you've just been describing. How, how hard has it been, if indeed it has been hard? 
Yeah, it has been quite difficult. Um, like, I mean, obviously, I was quite open-minded. Um, I came back last August, and I kind of was a bit relaxed about things. Just I wanted to really kind of see how things went and see if I'd enjoy the traveling again or not. Well, not enjoy it, but see if I could handle it. Um, and, um, you know, I kind of didn't really go flat out. I was just kind of going here, there, and the odd place. And then, obviously, I kind of teamed up with Marco Botti a bit, which was... Uh, a good relationship to kind of you know pick up and Marco's quite relaxed and very easy going and he's very easy to work with so you know and then Tatsumaki came along and he was a very good two-year-old and we won the sales race in Newmarket and that kind of gave me the appetite then to kind of look to try and start off this season then as strong as I could and, and give it a push and yeah obviously I, I started off well and had a few winners and got rolling and then I kind of the appetite got even more and but the, the, the most important thing Nick, though, that I didn't really want to do was to get into the car and be driving up and down the country like a hundred you know a hundred miles or a hundred miles half a day I mean like three three hundred four hundred miles a day every day of the week and I didn't want to do that so I've been able to kind of push without going crazy um, keep myself fit and keep myself healthy and and obviously keep the mind right that I want to keep uh, keep going racing and keep 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 the hunger. Yeah, and that's the thing. You're just too competitive a person, aren't you? You can't. You, there's no way you you can't you can't play at this. There was a couple of times throughout the season where I was kind of getting a little bit. You know, I had a good run, a really good run, uh, going into the Sherrard Cup in the middle of the summer, and you know what it's like in the peak of the summer. It's like racing all over the place, and there's so many spare rides going around. You pick up good rides for new trainers and some decent rides, good horses and. Then I kind of won the Sugar Cup, a silver saddle, and had a Royal Ascot winner. And then I kind of half kind of got a bit greedy, and I started like going here, there, and everywhere. And you kind of get to a point there where you kind of think, "Oh, hang on a minute, I'm getting a bit too uh, too busy now. I need to kind of balance it a little bit," you know. Um, that's not being arrogant or too cocky. It's just I'm 44 now. I'm not 21. So when you get to that age, you kind of need to maintain and balance everything really you know your fitness your health make sure you keep injury free and touch wood you know you can last a few more years further towards 50 than 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 the short side of 40 it's a great age neil we're in our prime absolutely i'm in my prime <laughs> but uh you know like i say it's uh, I, I i'm never one to kind of make a plan or or set targets i like to just go easy go with the flow and see what happens that's all the way i've always been and that's the way I'll carry on. Now, are there going to be two Callans with with riding licences at the same time? Well, that was kind of the, the plan when we kind of knew we were going to come home from Hong Kong. Um, I kind of like thought I'd done well in Hong Kong and, you know, all as, all as I ever wanted to do when I came back from Hong Kong was to just buy a stud farm, have no mortgage, um, set, up, set up some sort of business, whatever that was, and just literally do that. And uh, I think my son, Jack, was kind of saying, there's no way you're doing that. I'm going to be a jockey, and I want you to ride with me because I want to be better than you, so you have to wait. <laughs> so I, I kind of laughed it off. But when I when we came home and I saw him showing the desire and, and you know, the, the kind of dedication to go in and get experience from, like, he's down to Andrew Bowling's at Easter, and he been back down on a work placement and 
then he went to George Bowie. He walked into the office himself and asked could he couldn't write out. And then he went to the Bells. And then he started out with Dave Simcox. So I thought, well, he really wants it. Um, so I think I just have to stick it out for another few years until he's ready. Well, it seems to be working all right so far. Neil, thanks so much. All right, Nick. Good to talk to you. Neil Callan there, Group 1 winner in England on Saturday on Fontaine. I'll be headed to Keeneland for the final round of Breeders' Cup trials later this week. In America this weekend, we'll be reflecting on that more on tomorrow's show. But the headlines were that life is good, won at 20-1 to 1 on the Woodward Stakes at Belmont at the Big A at Aqueduct. It wasn't particularly impressive, but it was an off-track, which he probably doesn't like. And Jockey Arred Ortiz said he almost relaxed too much. No danger of that when he takes on Flightline in the Breeders' Cup Classic. It'll be a big field against Flightline. For all that nothing looks anywhere uh, like his calibre at this stage, he worked at Santa Anita on Saturday very well. Uh, the big race at Santa Anita was the awesome again stakes, which was a 1-2 for Bob Baffert, defunded in country grammar. Those two could yet join stable companion Tabor in the Breeders' Cup Classic itself. And the first two in the big race at Churchill Downs, Hot Rod Charlie and the Kentucky Derby winner Rich Strike, a massive run from him. In the Lucas Classic, they could both be bound for Keeneland as well. And if you think that Christoph Sumior um, was a little uh, unorthodox in some of his tactics on Friday, then just go back and have a look at Rich Strike's rider, Sonny Leone, who was leaning all over Hot Rod Charlie's jockey at the end of the Lucas Classic, Tyler Gaff-Leone. He claims his saddle slipped, and that's why Gaff-Leone was virtually wearing him. Um, you can go back and, and decide for yourselves. So that's what happened on Saturday. As I say, more reflections on that tomorrow. But first of all, Lydia has a tip for you for this afternoon. Uh, it's this afternoon at Windsor, the 312. That's the Hippodrome Handicap over a mile and three. And the horse is Waran, who is uh, trained by uh, Sir Michael Stout. Richard Kingscott will be on board. Um, this horse ran really well at York last season. That was a very competitive race and he was short in room. He flopped Ascot afterwards and was gelded. We didn't see him for a year. Um, and I thought that he shaped pretty well towards the end of August at the July course over a mile and a half behind Sem. Han and assuming that he's going to strip a little bit fitter having been eased a little bit by the handicapper I'm looking for him to um, deliver on the promise that he showed in a much deeper race at York uh, last year so that is uh, Wahan in Windsor's 312 today. Lydia thanks so much thank you very much for listening that was Monday October the 3rd we'll see you again tomorrow bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.